have you are Jewish or have Jewish ancestry. Anybody? So that makes us all what? Gentile. Not Jewish. Not Jewish. That's right. For us. The Magi we talked about today are also like us. They're Gentiles. They're non-Jewish as far as we know. Can't guarantee, but most of the commentators that I read said probably not. Another question. Um, Of the people that you've met, or know, who had the most authority? Think about that a little bit. Who had the most authority and then I want all of us to answer that, and we might spur one another on too. So I'm going to start and say that the person that I met once in the airport in Davao City, Philippines, was an ex-president of the Philippines. Mm-hmm. So he had a lot of authority. And Jean and I talked to him five minutes. You, I would like. Okay, well, aren't you there? Oh, okay. All right. So who had you don't have to beat that, but I just want us to focus on, uh, in this case, you know, I shook his hand. I didn't know until afterwards. Somebody said, you know, tell them to. No. So, who, who is somebody that you've known with a lot, the most authority? Your dad or your mom or somebody? Um, the mayor? I can either probably the mayor, Woodstock, or the chief of police. Maybe. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Gene? Uh, the mayor of Cebu City was in my home. Uh, Cebu City is three million people. Yeah. He's pretty important. <laughs> There's a general in our church too. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, possibly the, the mayor of Woodstock <coughs> is also a co-worker. If I understand right, he used to be a general in, in, uh, in, in uh, Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Okay. Other like the most, or just one of? Well, the, the the most that you're aware of it that you know that you've met. Oh That's a hard one. Um, I'll just say the one that came to mind first, and that was kind of along the lines what Pastor Rich said is just uh, you know like being pulled over at that <laughs> point in <laughs> that moment you feel like the cop coming to your window is the most person. What was the highest rank of any of your? Army, Grandpa Army. Grandpa Army. I don't know if he had the highest rank, but he was in World War II. Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure. All right. Good. Thanks. Um, I think there's a congressman that visited the class today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I happened to see President Trump's motorcade from a different <laughs> <laughs> Totally yeah. counts. Beat us yeah. all. <laughs> yeah, I guess I saw President Nixon once when I was in college <laughs> when he came to the University of Nebraska. I believe uh, the owner the owner of the company that I work for, uh, the company that I work, work for is like uh, the mother, and there is five more under that. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. The owner. 
He definitely has authority in your life. Probably a mayor or congressman. I was going to say Sonny and Cher, I saw him at the airport. But, um, uh, <laughs> 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 the only visited in a family in history, a family background trip to Sweden, there was a set of islands called the Olin Islands, and we met the head of the government on those islands. So. Pastor of uh, Mega Church. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Um, the owner of the Milwaukee Bucks basketball team. Okay. He has a lot of authority, huh? Oh, well, he did when he owned it. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, over you. <laughs> not over you, but over some of the ads that you watch. Sure, it seems to be. Yeah. No, a human, so we're I'm talking about, yeah. yeah. Well, she met the president of uh, Northwestern University. Oh, okay, very good. One of my points is that we're talking about a king tonight, and we don't really have oh, a, fame, a person with lots of authority uh, that, that you've met or known or is part of your family. We've had judges and he doesn't, but he thinks he tries to. Okay. <clears throat> well, in Matthew chapter two, the what was read. It, the text naturally divides itself into uh, three parts. Uh, verses 1 and 2 there talk about the arrival of the Magi in Jerusalem. And then 3 through 8 talk about the reaction of what happened in Jerusalem then. And 9 through 12 talk about the Magi going on to visit Jesus. And uh, uh, usually I would try to have a, a, an outline based on one, two, three points as I see the author is doing it. But as I was studying it this time, I, found, I saw something a little bit unusual, and that is Matthew uses a word that is translated behold or look. Uh, we'll talk about this in a little bit. Um, he uses that more than the other uh, Gospels. When I tried to look up, I had a way of, of trying to get that Greek word in the other Gospels, and almost all the other places where the other Gospels used behold, it was they were quoting Jesus or something. Whereas Matthew uses a lot just in his own, like in this narrative, where he's telling us, the reader, about something that he has reported. And I like to think of him as roughly a contemporary with Jesus. And so when he is telling us about something that happened in Jesus' birth, it would have been, he, w- he was, <laughs> if he was there, he was Hudson's age, you know. <laughs> and so it would, it, all of this would have been uh, requiring him to do research, just like Luke talked about, uh, doing research for the gospel that he wrote. And so I imagine him as collecting all this data, and then he puts this section down uh, on paper and... Uh, twice in this section, he inserts this word that's a, a, an emotion word that <clears throat> that says, pay attention to this. And I thought, okay, Bob, pay attention to what Matthew wants you to pay attention to. 
<coughs> so, in our sermon today, I'm going to really focus on these two behold words. And uh, if, if I read, uh, uh, sorry, I'm going to use this because it's bigger font for me. <laughs> um, if I read verses uh, 1 and 2 again, uh, we'll see it there. He, he introduces the setting in verse 1, and then you'll see it in verse 2. Uh, now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, get this, pay attention, guys, wise men from the east, or magi from the east, <coughs> came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw a star when it rose, and have come to worship him. So, <coughs> behold what? Behold, there's these foreign magi, that arrived in Jerusalem. And uh, they came with a purpose of seeking the one born king of the Jews because they saw his star. And what did they come to do? Worship him. So we're going to develop that a little bit. First of all, what they purposed to honor the king would be kind of my first point here. The setting in verse 1 we saw, first of all, about Jesus. It's after his birth, which took place in one of the Bethlehems. There were two, and this is the one that was in Judea. Um, And also about Herod, it says, in the days of Herod the king. How many days would that have been? Well, he reigned about 40 years, so that's a lot of days. But... uh, we know from context and stuff that this is probably in his last two or three years. But maybe maybe Matthew is trying to say he was still reigning. He was still in his era, not the next king. So that's, that's our setting there in, in verse 1. And then in verse 2, where that word is, uh, look or behold, a group of magi from the east are in Jerusalem. Magi? Who in the world? Why Magi? The Magi were astrologers. They were like pre-astronomers. I mean, there wasn't science of astronomy as we know it. Um, a lot of the stuff they studied would, would end up in astronomy. But they were star readers, you might stay, say. They... Um, uh, in Job, it talks about uh, the constellations. Even back then, they were, the names of the constellations were there. So the biblical characters also were, were used to some of the same terminology that we use today. Um, they also were a priestly caste in Chaldea, uh, known for interpreting dreams and visions. If you want to do some more study on your own, you can read in Daniel, chapters 1 through 4, um, where Daniel and his friends were taken and they were given um, uh, teaching in the, the ways of Persia. And, and it mentions in Daniel the Chaldeans as probably the same kind of group. of, And in fact, uh, the king in chapter 4, verse uh, 8, Verse 9, the king himself refers to Daniel as the chief magician among him. So from their point of view, it was 
these guys who were wise uh, and were resorted to when you wanted to be making important decisions. Uh, I appreciated one of the commentaries that said that there were uh, those who were honest, there were those who were charlatans. You know, uh, if I said, you know, are salesmen honest or dishonest? And you'd say, well, I hope most of them are honest, but also we get reports that <laughs> some of them are dishonest. Uh, but you can't necessarily just categorize. One of the things that helped me in all of this was um, Gene and I had a friend in the Philippines who had become a pastor, and before he became a Christian, well, an evangelical Christian, he was Catholic, but he was uh, a man who had a gift of divination that was kind of like passed on from his uncle. And one day as we were talking about this, he was describing to me the, the procedure that he used when somebody came and said, you know, here's a question I need to know. Did uh, so-and-so um, cheat on my wife or something like that? Or who stole my carabao? And so he was describing this thing. And I said, so how often did it actually prove true? Because I was thinking, you know, there could be a lot of mush in this. And his answer took me off guard. He said, I just assumed it always came true. Because I had, before I did the ceremony, within the week ahead of time, I would go down to the city to a cemetery and uh, get a name of somebody. And then I would go to the Catholic Church and pay the priest to pray a prayer for that departed saint. So I felt like I had done my part to contract to get help that I needed. And he obviously had no intention of trying to cheat his neighbors. It was just something that he did. And that really helps me understand this when we talk about the, uh, the Magi who are these, excuse me, astrologers. Um, because sorcery, especially, and divination are definitely condemned uh, to the Jews, to us as Christians uh, in the Old Testament. God does not want us to be seeking advice from stars and the moon and worshiping those things. Um, and I appreciated that, uh, that here he says, look, Magi came. And they've come to honor the one born who is king of the Jews. And you're thinking, whoa, we Jews already have a king. <laughs> What do you mean, one who was born king of the Jews? Herod has, hasn't been telling us that there's anybody that's new that will be king when he's gone. And they were using the term, he is already born now as a king. And uh, this would have really not only upset uh, uh, Herod as it did, but also the other people too. Is it maybe the Messiah? Shh, don't let Herod hear you talking stuff like this, you know? Um, but as we see here, it himself thought it might be a possibility. And also you're thinking, these guys are magi. Why would God be having the magi know about the Messiah's birth before any of our priests? They're the ones who represent us to God. He surely would have not dealt with these foreigners who are astrologers. And uh, it, it, it is an issue for us too. Do we really believe that God would use um, them as astrologers? Or, or some commentators would go, well, maybe they were really Jewish exiles. 
<laughs> but the term magi that's used really would, would speak against that. And the best answer that I found in one of the commentaries basically says that we need to recognize that whatever way uh, this happened, God dealt with them in their situation to call them to Jesus. And I like that, you know. Um, it helps us not to be uh, judging too quickly about other people. That we, we should really be careful in that. God may surprise us too on who responds to these cards um, and who he brings to our church. And we're going to rejoice. Just like Matthew does and say, hey, look, look at how God is, has dealt with these people and brought them to uh, Jesus as king. And just as a little side light in all of this section, I was reminded that Matthew himself was a tax collector. And if you'll remember that in the Gospels, almost always when tax collectors are mentioned, it's in a very negative way. You know, Jesus hangs out with tax collectors and prostitutes type of thing. And so he, even though he was a Jew, would have very much been feeling that type of rejection uh, that maybe him, maybe him or maybe not influenced him in this. <clears throat> and then he, Luke is saying under this, this uh, sentence, <clears throat> look, what they came to do was to give homage to, or sometimes translated worship, uh, this one who is born king. This word uh, is very broad in usage. It can be used to worship uh, a god or the god. It can also be used to revere a king, give homage to a king. Um, it didn't have to mean that when they came, and, and if you read in the English and says they worshipped him, it doesn't necessarily mean that they understood him to be divine. Um, they could have just been coming to worship and honor him as a king. And I would like us, that's kind of what I was starting with earlier in us thinking about what does it even mean to honor people who are in authority. And we'll end uh, the sermon with kind of a group, group work regarding that. Um, one thing it, it does show, show us here is that they were serious. They made this trip like going from here to the coast, you know. Uh, who knows how many uh, uh, weeks it took them to make the trip. We don't know how big of a retinue it was. Probably not as big as what we were reading about with the Queen of Sheba, because they were not kings, by the way. Um, but uh, they spent their time, they spent their resources to make this trip. And uh, surely Matthew saw in this a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecies where foreigners come and worship uh, the Messiah. If you're wanting some references on that, Genesis 49.10, uh, Psalm 72.8-11, and Isaiah 49.6-7 were some that I found. So Matthew continues reporting what he researched, but he doesn't use this word behold again until the Magi continue their their journey, all of that next section, he doesn't say, hey, look, the whole city was upset. Or, hey, look, the Herod was afraid and was scheming. Or, hey, look, what's, what uh, 
the religious leaders reported about where the, the baby was to be born. All that's important and we could make sermons out of that. But the next thing that we see is in that next section in, in verse 9 where he uses the word again. So let me read uh, verse 9 and 10 again. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And look, behold, take, take notice on this, guys. The star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going in, uh, let me just stop there. Catch more later. So they were guided by the star. It excites Matthew enough as he was reporting this to say, take a look at this guy. And when I was preparing for this, I had under, underlined uh, this, this part of the text saying, this is still a stumbling block for me. You know, what does he mean by a star? <laughs> uh, we, you know, the Greek word that's translated star means star. <laughs> like what we see in heaven. Uh, it doesn't mean angel. Um, you, you, if you, you know, sometimes angels are referred to kind of like stars, but the word star is, is not used the other way around. Um, somehow, God got their attention in the east or in the place of the rising. So some people talk about, uh, uh, well, here's some suggestions that were given. It could refer to conjunctions of planets and uh, sun and moon in the heavenly bodies. Because these guys, as astrologers, they read the heavens like you and I read books, you know. They understood what, according to their teachings, uh, that had been passed down to them were the meaning of this constellation and that star and this one and this one. So when things move through the heavens, that, uh, it's very possible that God used that to inform them. Some people think it might have been a supernova that was boom, you know, and there and then left, uh, or a comet or a meteor. Uh, or, or something that we don't know. Uh, so you want you want to know the real answer? How many people want to know? Sorry, forget it. God does not choose to think we need to know this. It's uh, uh, it's left silent for us. Um, what we do know there is in the verse it says when they saw it again. All right, so evidently it had told them that there was a baby born in, in, for the Jews, so Jerusalem would have been their logical place to come. So it doesn't necessarily mean that, that it was guiding their camels all the way to Jerusalem. Because now it says when they see it again, they're super excited. One commentator said that the words here, uh, could, you might want to translate it them, they were deliriously happy. <laughs> and he said, Probably not exactly that, but it points the direction of how excited and how happy these guys were to see the star that you and I can't figure out. How does a star guide? How does it come to rest over uh, a house where, or a place where the, where the young child was? I don't understand about the star, but I'll tell you, it just makes me smile to think about 
these people that were so excited to connect again with the guidance that they had really understood that they had to find this king. And uh, I, th I just, so they rejoice, we rejoice, and they're off to see the king again. Um, we, you and I do not need a supernatural star or we don't need to consult astrology or wait for a dream or a vision to continue our pursuit of King Jesus. He's no longer physically in Bethlehem or Judea, but he's in heaven. Uh, we can learn from the Magi. We can copy stuff they did in a different way, uh, as we see about when they pursued their journey and uh, visited Jesus. So um, if my second point was they purposed honor the king, my third one is, uh, excuse me, the <coughs> second one was, Oh, they were guided by a star, and now they, re they treated him as king. Um, let me read verse 11 again. Note the, ver the verbs here, because we're going to work on this together. When they, uh, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. And then opening their gifts, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So let's look at these verbs uh, one by one. And I would like us to do this together as a group project. Uh, I came up with a couple of ideas myself, but I really think that it would be better if, if we can get our minds into this. The first verb there is they came. They came into the house where Jesus was. And then the next one will be they saw Jesus with his mother, and then they fell down and worshipped. We'll put those two together. And then uh, they, uh, they uh, gave him, uh, they offered him gifts. Okay? So, first of all, how, when we think about coming into a house where Jesus is, let's think about it in two ways. From their point of view, they're coming to visit a king. He's a baby. But he's a king. What what ideas would come that if you came to visit, you had the chance to go visit a newborn king in say Thailand, or a prince that's going to be a king because they already have a king, or Saudi Arabia. So you're with a royal family. What 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 would be involved in visiting in a place like that? You would need an invitation or uh, okay. some way that you are welcomed in. Good, yeah. What else? There'd probably be like formalities and things you should or should not do. Very good. Learn our custom. Yep. Mm -hmm. Protocol. Protocol. Moral sin. Have to bring a gift. Yeah, probably. We'll get to that too. You know, Gina and I had, we sometimes we bought gifts in the Philippines at a shop in Cebu City. And one of the things, this is a really well known place that made gifts with shellcraft and stuff. And they made beautiful, beautiful boxes. And we found out that one of their big customers was the people in Malakanyam Palace uh, for the president in Manila that would get these things to give to dignitaries and other people that excuse me, came to, uh, to visit the president or the president's family. Yeah, gifts. Um, what would be different then now for us as we think about 
how do we visit Jesus since we can't visit him as a baby in Jerusalem? He's not a baby anymore. He's grown up and he's in heaven. So now, number one, how do we visit him? And what would be maybe different when we think about visiting him as king rather than just going and visiting him as our friend and as our brother? Prayer meditation. Mm-hmm. Prayer meditation. That's what the one I thought right away too. Anything else? Well, we're children of God, well, so he's our king. He's also our sibling. Right. Right. And none of us have mentioned that we have siblings that are kings. <laughs> you know, the closest thing I was thinking of was like. Presidents, and like in the case now, President Trump has a, uh, a, um, a child in the White House who could say, "Yeah, come to to visit me," and you're going, "Oh wow, you're you're the president's son." You know, all of, through history, that if you go to to visit in the White House, that would be the closest thing that we would have in our country to visiting a king. Um, all these things. What would you wear? You know, would you just wear? flip-flops or prior to think about that would be part of the protocol and decorum of what's appropriate for and 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 getting back to what Nick said I think there are times where where you're in a situation where um, if your brother is the king okay most of the time you're hanging out with him as brothers but there's going to be some times when there are celebrations in which not only is he putting on his robes and, and sitting in a place of a judgment, you're putting on your special clothes too. So I think uh, I like that in, the, in preparing for the sermon. It's not like we have to, to be this all, all the time, but it helps us somehow realize that, yes, he's not just our brother. He's not just our friend, but there's always that part that he's also our king. You know, the, the, the brother to the king is also a subject of the king. <laughs> um, we, we need to remember that too. Uh, the next verb, they saw Jesus with his mother. Um, how do we see Jesus if we can see Jesus? Have you had anybody talk to you about saying that they've seen a vision of Jesus? There were some, in the Philippines I know there was a newspaper article where some kids in a school, we're saying that they saw in the clouds. Uh, remember that? Uh, yeah. Uh, with the Hispanic culture and cat, Catholic, um, they have the is it they Guadalupe or what they but they they say that there's like a town in Mexico where um, I mean they saw something. I can't remember exactly what it was but um, you know when that happened how many thousands of years ago um, they you know now it's like one of the biggest places that people yeah. go back to yeah. and still um, have mass for that and whatnot. So I'll be talking about this book in a little bit. Um, I don't know what you think of it, but uh, it's a book that was really an encouragement to me about a, a little boy who was a pastor's son in uh, Imperial, Nebraska. I'll get to that in our next point because uh, 
there's so, uh, the his dad writes this book about uh, they're being surprised to find that while while uh, little Colton was being operated for a ruptured appendix, um, uh, he recovered amazingly, miraculously, <clears throat> and then later on he's just a little four-year-old. He starts talking about stuff regarding being in heaven with Jesus and others. And uh, we're going, wait a minute. So anyway, I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. Um, <clears throat> so supposedly he saw Jesus. <laughs> but you and I aren't going through what he experienced. All right. So we have to deal with what we can deal. And I, I come back also to prayer. In my mind, uh, I, I, I don't see with my physical eyes Jesus, but I try to uh, think about when I read the Bible. Um, I don't have a visual picture, but I try to have like a mental picture. Yeah, it might be way wrong. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, when, when I read about Jesus being in the boat, I think about a human person being in the boat. Um, and I think the idea that I can get from they saw Jesus, simply the fact that they saw his surroundings. And when I read the Bible and the New Testament about Jesus, I'm going to pay a little more attention to what was happening around Jesus. You know, and just be observant. And the next one, they fell down and worshipped the king. We talked a little bit already about this word worship. We Americans don't do this unless we're forced to, right? Um, maybe if somebody's in a POW camp somewhere around the world <coughs> and they were forced to have this kind of uh, prostate kneeling, they would do it. But I've never, ever heard of it in the U.S. And in fact, um, when, when you think about this idea, uh, it, it probably bothers us a little bit, right? Uh, when you think about the Muslims in prayer, and you see all these guys, what are they doing? They're, they're worshiping God in the way that the Magi did to baby Jesus. Standard way back in that time. Not standard for us. Um, and <clears throat> I told you I'd bring this book up again. There, in, a, in another book that the dad wrote about how this all affected his life later on, uh, I was wishing it was in this one, but it's not. It's in the other one that I gave away. But I remember he said that he was talking to to Colton and Colton's bigger sister, and then he had a little baby brother later on too. But he says one time we were talking about something about uh, what do people, how do people approach Jesus, or what do they do when they see Jesus, or something like that, and. In the conversation, he wasn't talking about heaven. He was probably talking about like the Bible story. But he was asking it there. And he says, uh, little Colton said, uh, oh, that's easy. And he says, he got down, put his head down. And then he, just, he popped up and he said, it's like that, Dad. Everybody does it when they first come to see Jesus. <laughs> and I thought, whoa, you know. It didn't affect this little boy. It was just something he saw everybody doing, so it was the natural thing to do. And the other thing that I, 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 I appreciated from that is that, in this case, he got down and he got up because of the situation with his dad. But I also realized that 
when people come to worship or to give homage, when the Magi came, they wouldn't have been there and said, okay, will somebody bring the presents? Will somebody? <laughs> In other words, you do that as an act of, of uh, reverence. Let's use that word. But you don't stay down because you're going to be giving up. You're going to be talking. Maybe you have a, a performance here in the, you're the, the barbershop quartet that's going to sing, you know, for the president or whatever. You're going to do your thing. Or if you're one of the, uh, the angels that's going to worship Jesus, but then you don't just stay down because you've got, you got to go off on your journey to go tell Mary what she's supposed to do or what she, the baby, all of the things that happen. Uh, this is just a sign of worship that we don't normally do. Uh, in Christendom, there have been various places, more in the Catholic Church than what we've brought into the Protestant Church. The Catholic priests, um, uh, when they get their, what do they call that, an ordination, where they lay prostrate, like you've seen that, where they're, they're completely laying down with their nose in the, the rug during part of the ordination where they become priests. Did they make you do that when you got ordained? You missed something. Not that I remember. Mm. <laughs> um, just for the fun of it, not, not really for the, that's not the right way to put it. I was a little convicted in this as I was preparing for this, and I thought, you know, I have sometime in the past, very rarely, uh, prayed that way. But there were two times during this last week that I just thought, you know, it kind of came into my mind, and I thought, yeah, I want to do this. And I'll report to you that there is something about having that position. Uh, the, the Greek word that's translated, they said, is like uh, related to a dog who is fawning for attention for its master that feeds it type of thing. And so it's like getting down on all fours like a, a dog in that sense. But even more, when you put your head down, it's like you're saying, I'm yielding to you, king. You know, this is a position, if you choose to put your foot on my neck, uh, I'm, I'm willingly putting myself in that position. And I found that when I was praying in that way, with this in my head, it really did help me think about Jesus as my king, my brother king. Not just somebody that I talk to and, and uh, meditate to. Uh, so I would encourage that. But what other ideas? How can we worship, be more worshipful to Jesus as our king? What's that? Singing. Singing. You know, how's that? How does that um, show the submission of him as a to him as a king rather than just a, a friend? Is that worshiping? Well, that, this this idea of, of the magi getting prostrating down to worship the baby or to the king to give honor and reverence and homage. In what way? I want to pull. I I agree, yeah. but in. In what way can our singing be, give, be showing our, our paying homage to so Jesus as King? Like, like um, you want to impress him or you want um, 
know, you're saying how good it is. The kind of songs, in other words, the lyrics are effective. Yeah, other ideas? We also don't sing to, to just anybody or songs about anybody, so just the fact that we are singing to them is, right. you kind of mentioned a performance in some ways, like we're, right. yeah, saying how good he is and singing to him and about him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <coughs> this, <coughs> this book, Colton was telling him one time, he says, uh, that the uh, the angels sang to him. In fact, that's one of the first things that they said. What are you talking about, little boy? What angels, you know? And so they were trying to pull that out. And he says, um, I asked them to sing Joshua fit the Battle of Jericho, and they did. I asked them to sing We Will We Will Rock You because the family loved that. And they wouldn't. <laughs> so to your point, the angels in heaven are concerned. Jesus is concerned <coughs> with what we actually are singing. I thought, that's cool, you know. Um, so uh, then let's go on to they gave him gifts out of their treasuries. Now in this case, they were expensive gifts <coughs> that were worthy of a king. And... Uh, they weren't necessarily just a rum bum bum because they could afford more than a rum bum bum. But the uh, Jesus, even though he got all this, he was not a wealthy king. He stayed as a servant king. And at one place he said, uh, foxes have dens, birds have nests. The son of man doesn't even have a place to lay his head. So uh, when, when people gave him gifts, they said, here, Judas, <laughs> take care of this gold. <laughs> um, so how, do, how can we give gifts to Jesus? This is my last point. Jesus, later in Matthew, says, uh, give, uh, help those in need, and then you, you give to me by giving to them. That's right. That's right. Matthew, I wrote that down, in fact. Matthew 25 37 to 40. There were people who did and people who didn't. And the ones who did, he said, way to go, guys. You were, I was sick and in prison. You visited me. You know, I was naked. You gave me uh, clothing. I was hungry, thirsty. You fed me. When did we do that, Jesus? He says, when you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you were doing it to me. So that's definitely one way that we can give gifts to Jesus. Any other ways? How can we? Well, we give ourselves in a way. We give ourselves a time or Good. just our willingness and our efforts that we make for our time. Yeah. yeah, one of the things that <coughs> we talked about in the Philippines was Christianity isn't the time when you go to church. It's 24-7. And so you're giving to Jesus not just time to go to church. You're giving Jesus your faithfulness to your boss in doing your work. And you're not cheating uh, by following some way of temptation. Uh, you're honoring Jesus as your king but that way. Uh, <clears throat> what's... <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> um... What does our statement say? What's our mission statement, Nick? 
By doing what? What was that word you used? Surrendering. That kind of sounds like yielding. That kind of sounds like, you know, prostrating and saying, I surrender. I'll do what you want, not what I want. Uh, That's so appropriate for our church. So in in summary, we can treat, (coughs) we uh, we Gentiles also, I can say that because none of you said we're we're Christians (coughs) who happen to be Gentiles. Excuse me. We can treat uh, Jesus as king in practical ways. We can come to Jesus via an act of prayer, have faith called prayer. <clears throat> we can see Jesus when we observe one another as his disciples and when we read the Bible. We can show submission um, by maybe falling prostrate literally, like I did. I'm sure that that's going to be an occasional part of my prayer life from now on, especially when I'm starting to maybe feel a little bit proud and and it, it just was a really good uh, uh, thing for me. Or at least we can have, be prostrate in our minds, that we can have humble humility uh, in our minds as, as we submit to him that way. And we can also show submission to him by obedience. Uh, there's a place where he said, you know, you call me Lord, Lord, but you don't do the things that I command. So it's possible for us to get in that situation and have to come back to And then number five, we can give our wealth to his people, to his bride, to his church. And just like I'm sure the Magi gave generously from their treasures, we also, with whatever we have, can give generously and joyfully and thankfully. So my ending statement would be, God is dealing with all people, (coughs) Jews and Gentiles, in our various situations all over the earth to call us to Jesus. Let's rejoice with people who are discovering God's Messiah. And let us continue ourselves to submit to Jesus, our King, our loving and our protecting King. God bless you.